How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to the Monkey Mind Podcast. This is episode 13 featuring Doc Wally Bizdell. Doc Wally is a sports psychologist who both Flo and I have worked with in team settings and personally for many years back when we played at Providence College and the University of Maine, respectively. He's worked with countless Division I hockey programs as well as many other Division I sports and has won two NCAA Division I national championships with the Union College Dutchman and Providence College Friars men's ice hockey programs. If you'd like to get in touch with Doc Wally, his company name is Bizdell Sports Psychology, and the website is docwallybizdell.com. And Bizdell is spelled B-Z-D-E-L-L. doing good great no complaints yeah it's great to have you on thanks for coming on it's good to be here doc wally welcome on to the pod um pleasure to have you yeah uh, coach you know flo and i we've we've both worked with you a ton so um if you could please just kind of tell us a little bit about what you do and some of the teams that you worked with in the past and, and present yeah, absolutely. So, guys, thanks for, for having me. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, for me, this is a lot of fun, having known you from when you both played college hockey. And uh, it's, it's a lot of years for you and I, Flo. And, yeah. Uh, and, Danny, you're, you're a little ways out as well from your college hockey game. Yep. So, uh, yeah, you know, my, my work, I'm, I'm a sports psychologist. So my background, uh, because, you know, when you say sports psychology, people do have different backgrounds. Uh, mine is I'm a licensed psychologist in New York State, so my training and my background was in uh, counseling psychology, specializing in performance and sports psychology. So, you know, I have that full kind of background in, in helping the whole person. And, you know, my work is, uh, is, is primarily working with uh, collegiate and pro athletes, um, some, uh, some of high school and prep school age and junior age players in hockey but really just trying to help them develop uh, mindset skills. And, you know, I kind of frame it in terms of a, a high performance mindset. So really teaching them the, the principles and uh, the, uh, the strategies and the skills of, of really how to train their mind so they can perform their best. And, and that's a lot of my work. But I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we're on this call today is, is also, you know, we have to recognize that, uh, that athletes, um, even when they're performing well, just like anybody else that's walking around here can have mental health concerns and can have anxiety and depression and all those other things. So another part of my work is to really try to help athletes uh, manage that um, and, and try to uh, overcome, uh, recover from, work with, understand any of those other kind of strains and stressors that are just part of life. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the bulk of what I do. I don't know if that gives a good sense or not. I can always go deeper, but uh, that's kind of the nutshell of it. Yeah. Yes, I mean, um, you know, you said you've worked with a lot of college teams. Um, talk about some of the work you do specifically with each college team. Um, I know for us, you would come up and, and visit us on the road, or you'd come up to campus and work with us hands-on, and you would be available for Skype, Zoom, FaceTime calls, phone calls. Um, just kind of talk about what ways you've been available for 
you know, some teams and, and things like that. Yeah, so, so absolutely. So, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll even start a little bit more of a foundation then. So as we're talking about this, and I know some of your listeners may not know a lot about sports psychology. So where I'll start is by saying we can train three things. So those are the only three things that we can train. So we can train our bodies. So how we develop our strength, our speed, our agility. Uh, we can probably, you know, put, uh, you know, how we recover in there. We can train our craft. And for you guys, your craft is hockey, right? So that's all of the skill on the ice, how you handle the puck, your edge work, um, protecting the puck, all the details of the game. And we can train our minds. And with our minds, we're talking about, you know, can I stay in the moment? Uh, all those things you think about in terms of uh, managing my thoughts, managing my emotions, confidence, dealing with setbacks, adversity, resilience, you know, all, all those kind of uh, aspects of being able to put your mind where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. Mm -hmm. So I've been really fortunate over the years to work with um, some, some really great programs. So amongst those were, you know, Providence College and Flow, that's where you and I met, obviously. Yep. Um, University of Maine hockey program. And uh, Danny, that's where you and I met. Yep. Uh, Union I've been with for years. Uh, I'd worked with UVM, worked with Holy Cross, did some work with Sacred Heart. Uh, I had an opportunity to work with an American League team before they relocated. Uh, so I was with them for a full season. So, you know, a, a lot of teams and some individuals from there. Uh, Rutgers Lacrosse is another program I work with. And then your question had been, you know, kind of how do I connect with, work with, kind of what's the process with those teams? And you know, it depends on the location and uh, the availability of the guys and what the coaches have. But, you know, primarily, uh, you know, I try to get to, uh, to campus to be with guys uh, a couple of times a month um, if the campus is close enough. So I'm sure Flo would remember I was probably down at, you know, at PC once every couple of weeks, once every three weeks. Um, yeah. And, you know, with Maine, which is, you know, a seven-hour drive from where <laughs> Providence is three, yeah. um, you know, what I did with Maine was, uh, for the last number of years, I've gone up at the beginning of the school year for three or four days, work with the guys each day, and then from there, try to meet Maine on the road, uh, where I could meet with guys at the hotel room around the rink, be around them, but have the availability with both programs to make phone calls, texts. And now, quite honestly, Zoom, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, as frequently as players want or as coaches want. And that's kind of the, uh, the new format. Last year, with a couple of teams, we tried something a little bit different, which I really loved. And it was this type of format, right? kind of the, the video calls. We just called them huddles. So once a week, we got together in small groups, talked about what was going on, talked about ways to manage it, learn from one another. And then, you know, we were 20 or 30-minute meetings. So that's kind of been the process. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, Flo and I both worked with you uh, from a steam, team standpoint and um, I believe individual standpoint. But so for, for us, we know how important this stuff is. But for those listening, just kind of reiterate how important this sports psychology piece um, is and how training your mind is so vital for athletes. Um, just because we've had a couple guests on and um, I know for myself personally, trained all summer worked on my body, um, you know, physically, you know, on the ice, all those things. And I, and I still, you know, was doing some of the things that we spoke about meditation, all that stuff. But there was a time this year where I felt I needed to step away and 
and seek professional help and see a therapist. So just talk about how important it is to consistently work on your mind and, and train it because without all, you know, you can do all the physical work you want, yeah. but if your mind's not right and your mind's not into it or your mind isn't primed, then all that physical work is for nothing. So just kind of talk about how important that piece is. Yeah. And I want both of you guys to jump in wherever you want to here as I'm talking, kind of poke holes in, ask questions, point me in a direction. So I think kind of what you described there, Danny, is, um, is a little bit of there, there's two things there. So, so one, when we're doing well, when we're, when we're playing well, when we're feeling good in our lives, right? You can certainly train your mind and, and build the capacity to have high quality thinking, uh, which will allow you to perform better. And that's something that you can do just like any other type of training. You know, you're always working on your skill set on the ice. You're always working on your strength and conditioning. So if we think about this, uh, when I think about training the mind for performance, uh, you know, I, I will come back to a couple of things. You know, kind of at the beginning of everything is this, this sense of my personal philosophy, who I am as an individual, how I want to pursue the things that are important to me, developing a vision of what's possible for me in my sport, and then really kind of committing to, well, how do I want to be as I pursue that? How do I want to be engaged in it? So you have this kind of this, this, this compass should be what guides you, and that's at the center of everything. Then for, for anything that happens in, in life, you know, even as we're talking here, you know, an event happens, you guys share something, and then I'm filtering that information. So I have a framework in which I'm taking in that information and what you're saying, you know, I'm giving meaning to. And the same thing happens when there's an event out on the ice or my community or my relationship or with my family. So when I think about filters, you know, I think about things like optimism versus pessimism. So optimism is just a sense of if I stick with it long enough, I believe good things will happen. Or pessimism is I don't think good things are going to happen. Well, depending which filter I use really will affect how I feel. Uh, what I can control is a filter. So in all sorts of stuff, like when you think about our environment right now with COVID going on, you know, I get caught up in all these things that I can't control. What, what's happening? You know, when can I get out to a rink and when can I skate? And I can't get into a gym and all that. And all that stuff can be distracting and stressful and anxiety evoking. And really, if I can narrow it in on what do I control and I can combine that with optimism, I have a much better mindset and framework for taking on my day for taking on the challenges that are in front of me. And then, you know, grit would be another framework. And I know that sounds weird, but grit is really passion and perseverance. And, you know, so how do I look at something and really evoke my passion for it and, and really determine how I can persevere? And that's a framework. So we have this core thing in the middle, which is, hey, you know, what's my identity? We have this framework and then we have these other skills that we can look at as a player. And I think about things like, um, can I stay calm under pressure? Do I have the ability and capacity to, to, to develop and to use confidence? 
Can I focus on the right things at the right time? Do I know when I'm distracted? Do I have the ability and capacity to trust myself when I'm on the ice and trust my training and trust my teammates and trust my coaches? So those things there and the ability to stay engaged in the moment are really what we're talking about when we're talking about kind of training your mind. And what comes out of those things is I have better awareness of what my thoughts are, what my emotions are, what I'm doing on the ice, all those things that are happening. I can have better practice. I can manage my emotions better. I can, I can reload. I can shift my perspective. Um, I, I, can, I can be on the emotional edge, right? And when I mean the emotional edge, it's that spot between I'm feeling vulnerable, right? I've got something here where that may not go the way I want it to. And I have the courage to take the risk and go for it anyways. Yep. The mental edge is that capacity to be focused on the right things at the right time. And then ultimately, you know, what you guys want as athletes is you want to be able to show up and be the best version of yourself for you and for your teammates in the moments that are most challenging and when the consequences are real, right? So when it counts. Yeah. So if you're not training those things, you're hoping, hoping that everything falls into place. Mm-hmm. And hope is not a particularly good strategy if you want to be your best, right? And you think about confidence and you think about every action is preceded by a thought. You want to make sure that you're really feeding good quality thoughts. And, you know, I've been using this kind of metaphor recently of, uh, you know, when we think about optimism and pessimism. Thoughts are a little bit like seeds, right? So we're all born with a propensity for a range of thoughts. So we all have the same seeds. They can be anger, doubt, fear, anxiety, despair, all those types of things. They can be love, excitement, engagement, enjoyment. Those are seeds. Well, if you guys go outside, you plant seeds in the garden and we start with the same seeds, the ones that you water and the ones that get sunlight, the ones that get your attention, they're going to grow. Same way with the way we think. We want to have quality thinking. And what you're focused on, what you're paying attention to, will impact what grows and what comes more readily for you. So when I say training your mind for hockey, those are the things we're talking about. The other yeah. part we talked there was mental health. And that's, and that's even that's a little bit different, too. Yeah. Um, no, not necessarily a question. It's kind of um, going off of, like, I mean, for some guys, uh, some hockey players, like clearly confidence is one of their um, like biggest attributes as a player. Like they're just naturally confident and whatnot. And I feel like some guys that have struggled in that aspect, they get carried away when they are doing well and things are going well that they kind of just like they get away from that consistency and that routine of, um, you know, things are going well. So, you know, maybe this I, I don't need to necessarily focus so much on you know, the little things, doing extra band work or stuff that they had been doing that got them to finally feel comfortable and confident and successful. And then as soon as they kind of get in that, I'm not going to say this necessarily a trap, but when they get in that, that smooth sailing confidence that when something does happen, it's almost worse than what it would have been before because they kind of got away from that. So I just feel like, I mean, especially for me, that was also one of my downfalls, but just kind of 
what you said about the consistency, regardless of what's happening and just being in the moment. I just feel like it's so important for people to hear that regardless of your success and how confident you are at the moment to not get away from the little things that got you to that point. Exactly. And I just think you pointed like when you're explaining live in the moment and kind of like everything you're saying, I felt like you're just kind of repeating what I told you in college, which is kind of funny <laughs> to me, but um, no, I, I just thought it was really cool. And honestly, like we've had guys on here that talk about, you know, things they've gone through and just kind of listen, like, obviously this one is a little more exciting for me. Cause like I've told you everything. And now that you're just like explaining it over and over again, it's just bringing back memories and like making me excited to kind of start to reapply all the things that we went over, especially the one about living in the moment, because, you know, one of the things that kind of set me back was looking so far ahead. Like when I had surgery last year on my hip, I was like, all right, I got to get back. I got to get back. I got to be ready for training camp. I got to do this. I got to do that. But as you're saying, live in the moment, I was, kind of just wish I was like all right let's uh do a couple exercises today I was never thinking about in the today and yeah I worked hard and whatnot but I was working hard in the wrong way I guess you could say because I wasn't in the moment I was looking too far ahead and it backfired on me and I just I'm just glad you said living in the moment because I forgot about it <laughs> and whatnot but well, yeah. Flo, I, I, I love and I appreciate and I'm grateful that you're kind of willing to share that with me and with Danny and with everybody that's going to be listening. And, you know, I, I think what you're doing is you're making a gift of that experience to others right now. And, and that's a really special thing to do. So, you know, when I hear that, um, I've had this conversation recently with, with a lot of coaches, with a lot of players, you know, that, that being in the moment, that being fully engaged, um, you know, I'm aware of my thoughts, my emotions, what's going on in my body. I'm aware of the environment, but I'm not judging myself. Like I'm just noticing and, you know, in this to be the best version of myself right now. And, you know, if things go a little bit sideways and I just adjust without beating myself up, like that's a really great skill. And if I had my way, every player I work with would be doing meditation. Yeah. Meditation is one of the best ways to train that capacity to be in the moment, to be fully engaged. I would love if every player would do 10 minutes a day because that's what the research is telling us about 10 minutes a day. And you see benefits after about four weeks. That's pretty good. You know, if you think about that, if I was to tell you, Hey, 10 minutes a day of stick handling for four weeks is going to make you a much better stick handler. And, you know, and, and we know that it's going to have a, a, an impact on your game you guys be like, I'm all in. Yeah. Right. And well, this, this, this meditation will help, will help you improve your concentration, your focus, your mood, people who meditate, there's good research that says that they are um, better able to recover more quickly from depression and anxiety when it does happen. I mean, there's just, so, we sleep better. Um, we feel like we can regulate our emotions better. Like there's so many things that just helpful to be people, but in terms of your sport, well, if you're sleeping better, you're probably got more jump the next day. If your focus is better, 
you're probably learning more, probably sharper on the ice. I mean, all of these things go together. So I, I love that you picked up on the, you know, in the moment and being fully engaged. And again, that comes back to also as well, optimism and what do I control? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you could probably relate that when we worked together in college, I kind of was a bit of a firecracker and, you know, I, I'd always jump to the, not worst conclusion, but like the one I shouldn't have jumped to because I wasn't not only living in the moment, but like even thinking like it was just a completely, completely distraught mindset that I was in because I was thinking negatively. I wasn't thinking clearly and I was thinking so far ahead that it kind of took away from the situation I was in at hand that I possibly could have avoided just by taking one little second just to look around and like think about what was actually happening rather than creating all these different situations in my head. And I, 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 I'm not going to say I regret the way I, you know, thought or kind of acted because if I, if I didn't do, if I didn't act that way or think that way, I never would have learned. And I can say that I've come a lot further than I ever expected to. And obviously, um, you know, I can look and thank you for a lot of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad, well, I wouldn't say glad I went through it, but I'm great. I'm thankful that I kind of experienced things the way I did. Um, but I mean, yeah, you can kind of attest to what we talked about at Providence and everything like that, but there's definitely things that I still use. And, uh, I went to, I left playing this year in, um, December and I went back to my high school to coach and, um, it's actually kind of weird how many things that I saw in players that I did that I always found myself thinking back to what you taught me. Like, uh, I had a couple of kids that were just so passionate, but I got one kid, he's trying to break his stick over his head. So I ended up, um, I put a blue dot on his white tape because yeah. we did the red and blue and yeah. uh, always try and level yourself back to the blue. And I mean, it took a little bit and whatnot, but I mean, just little things like that, that I remembered, I still apply to myself and, um, obviously lucky enough to do as a coach. So I just thought that was pretty cool. That, that's awesome. For people who don't know what we're talking about with the red and the blue. Yeah. I mean, one way to look at, you know, if I'm uh, in the moment and I'm in a, in a good positive mindset, you know, kind of a, a blue color represents calm, focused, engaged. And red is like this heated, overwhelmed, tense. And, you know, so it's a beautiful cue that you go, okay, I'll put a little blue dot on your stick. And for that guy, that means, okay, I got to get back to being calm, focused, the right mindset. You know, I don't want to be red running around the ice, you know, trying to chop guys' heads off. Uh, which which I did pretty more. frequently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I saw, I saw red pretty quickly. And then, I mean, some people don't wouldn't really understand, but it, it's so simple, but yet so effective because, I mean, somebody like me that did see red so quickly – just seeing a little blue dot on my stick like made me think why it was there and then would automatically just set me back to just all right relax just like you're not that crazy like take a deep breath and it got to the point where 
this kid would be frustrated with a period that he had. And I just walk into the locker room. I wouldn't even walk in the door fully. I just hold up the blue marker for him. And <laughs> it was, it's just amazing to see how little things are so effective and people kind of need to just apply them and just take a second to understand the effect of them. Yeah. It's a great example. And cues, right? Cues can be used like that, that red, the blue marker just to remind us and create that self-awareness of where we are in the moment. So it's a great example. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah, we've had um, quite a few players on from different universities. And um, actually, many of them said that they've worked with you, which is funny how small the hockey world is. But um, some other players we've had on didn't necessarily get the opportunity or privilege to have a sports psychologist. And for me, how beneficial it was, I just – think that there are a lot of players out there on college teams and professional teams or wherever out just playing who I think need it more so than don't. And I just think that it, it's something that should be mandatory for at least all college teams is there's so much going on on a college campus and we're people first and we have family lives, personal lives. And there's so much going on. Some of the stuff we even talked about wasn't even hockey related. And I, I can remember one time in particular um, we were, I think we were playing against Boston College that weekend. We spoke for close to an hour uh, just talking about something in my life that was just, you know, bothering me and wasn't hockey related, but it just helped so much. It relieved so much weight off of me. And therefore going into that weekend, I felt 10 times better. And I think there are a lot of players out there who need that resource who don't get it. And especially at the collegiate level, um, we just think that it's something that's so beneficial and important that could really – pay dividends on the ice. Yeah, and, and, and on the ice and then off the ice as well, right? And, you know, I think part of this, you know, teams come down to, to budgets and what they have and, you know, depending on a program and a coach and the type of experience they've had with sports psychology. But, but I think, you know, there's – so, A, for any of those players that are out there, that if your team doesn't provide somebody, there are good people that can work with you. And boom, one of the – unexpected benefits that's come out of COVID in my mind is how effectively we can use this format and be connected to one another. So no longer are people constrained by, you know what, I, I live in, you know, an area of, of the state or the country where my college is where there's not a sport, good sports psychologist that knows the game. Well, now all I have to do is connect with somebody over Zoom and they can get that same experience, right, and available all the time. Uh, but, but I agree, and, and I would even go with people, you know, some people need it. This is just another avenue to use support, to build your capacities, to improve yourself as a person and a player, and it's a resource. And I agree, you know, all of us can do better when we have people that are in our corner, helping us see things differently, help us develop new skills, new ways of looking at things, new ways of doing things that help us be better all the way around. Nothing to lose from that, everything to gain. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it plays a, a pivotal role on, on team success and a person's personal life. I think uh, it can help out in so many ways. Um, at, we also spoke about how <clears throat> kind of not just Flo and I, but just Flo and I and other guests that we've had on, how there tends to be a gray area between coaches and players um, and almost a bit of a disconnect and how you can kind of be the middleman for that and fill in that gray area and provide some information in ways that 
the coaches may not see or the players may not see. Um, talk a little bit about how, you know, you've been that mediating factor in, in the player-coach relationship and how that's another important piece as well on a team and, and a person's personal success. Yeah, it, well, it, and that's, um, I wouldn't say it's a tricky one, but it's a complex one. And I'm going to try to, to keep it really simple. But, you know, here, here's the thing. So for you guys as players, if I'm talking with you, right, so I'm, I'm talking with one of you, um, what you and I talk about, I keep confidential, right? So if we're talking, I'm not going to share the content of our discussions with a coach. In the same way, I find that when I work best with coaches, uh, you know, sometimes they're coming in with, you know, trying to figure out how they can present information, but there's other things going on in their lives that might be interfering. I keep that confidential. Mm -hmm. So there's that, that kind of that spot there. But where I think that this can be helpful is at, at times, let's say I met with, um, with a whole team, we had a team meeting, where I met with five or six guys, and, and I'm getting a sense of, you know, um, guys might have a little bit of doubt in, in what's going on and how the team is doing. And I've heard that from several guys and, and Flo, you talked before about confidence and, and I have this feeling that, you know, that's, that's not coming easily for them right now. And, you know, I'm meeting with a coach and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to get into the guys today. I might be in a good position to say, you know what, today might not be the day to do that. Today might be the day to, you know, to really create some energy, some belief in practice to really try to, to foster that. Um, and it's a way to help with that communication or, it could be that, uh, you know, a, a coach is, is like, you know, I, I need to connect with some players today. And, you know, uh, he might say something like, hey, hey Doc, you know, um, you know, I got to connect with the D today. You know, anything in particular that you think, uh, you know, I might, I might benefit from mentioning to them or, or bringing up. And it may be that, you know, a, a D had said, hey, you know, we're, we're unsure about a certain aspect of, uh, of what's going on in our D zone coverage. And for whatever reason, the player hadn't brought it up. I might know that. Mm -hmm. The flip side is I could work with a player and say, in rehearse. So somebody might be nervous. I mean, I know it's hard to imagine, but guys sometimes feel intimidated by their coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Either of you can connect to that, right? It happened, it happened for most players, right? <laughs> so, so what I've found is, you know, there might be times where I can be the player and I can say, well, you know, what's the most important message that you want to you want to convey to coach? And he might come up with three or four things that's going on in his life or on the ice. And I might say, okay, so how are you going to communicate that to coach? And then, well, I don't know. Well, let's rehearse it. Let's go through it. You wouldn't go into a game without a game plan. Why wouldn't we plan for a meeting that's really important? And can help a player kind of figure that out as well. Uh, ultimately, I feel like I'm doing more for you guys when I'm helping you learn how to solve those problems on your own. And I'm just coaching you through the way it can be most effective for you to do it. And then you have to go try it. Exactly. No, I think, uh, I mean, for me, especially at my time at Maine, I, I grew exponentially just because of the coaching staff we had, you know, Coach Red Gendron, Ben Gite, Alfie, and Jay Leach, and then adding you in the mix there, um, I just grew that much more. So I'm so grateful for my time there with that coaching staff and having you there as well. Um, it was just, I just grew as a person off the ice so much, and it was 
something I'm so grateful for. Um, and like you said, some of the things that we've talked about was, you know, I, I was nervous senior year. Um, I wanted a, a big role in the team. But again, I, I had some doubts, um, some lack of confidence. And some of the things you told me were just so simple. I remember this, we had this conversation. You said, um, you know, because I, I want to take a, you know, senior, I want to have a, a more of a leadership role as well. And you said, be the first one online. Just something that simple. Or just simply take charge and, you know, be vocal and have some bass in your voice so it sounds confident. And those little things, I think, help so much um, for me to kind of take with me throughout life as well. Uh, not just as a player, but as a person, I think you could take those little tools into your rest, into the rest of your life. And if I didn't have you to tell me that I wouldn't have really, you know, figured to just do something so little as be in the front of the line or just the way that you present something, you could hear it in your voice, how confident you sound, just those little things I think were so important that I learned from you. So, um, yeah, I'm just super grateful for that, but yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's more than just <clears throat> on the ice. It's, it's as a person, these lessons you learn take you throughout life when the game's over. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm going to go in two directions with that. If you give me the the latitude to do it, yep, of course, you can go in two directions. Of course. <laughs> so, um, so, so the first is, I mean, you express it and floated earlier as well. Um, this idea that that I've kind of got to go after it, right? Like I have to. I have to face the fears. I have to face the worries. I have to recognize what they are. I have to, and if something is important enough to me, then I'm going to have to face those and go through those. And the more times I test myself, I try it out, I do it and the world doesn't collapse around me. And I gain confidence and belief in my ability and capacity to do it again. Right? So when I think about resilience and, you know, I think about, you know, flow at the beginning of this, you mentioned, um, you know, that you're going to have some adversity and, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, your knee, I would want you guys to think about when in the past have I done things that were really hard? Well, and come up with what helped me get through those because it's really important to be able to remember I've done hard things before. I've done them mm -hmm. and I can do them again and here are the qualities that I'm going to use to get through them. Well, the problem is if guys don't ever face their fears, you don't have anything to go back to. And you always need to be able to back that up with real stuff, right? Your mind knows when you're BSing yourself. When you're giving warm, fuzzy, I can do it, but you haven't done the work, it's not going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's one. Um, the second one is uh, we're, we're talking about kind of the importance of, of having somebody to connect with and talk with. And, and Danny, you had shared that you took a break and you, and you went and you saw somebody um, uh, to deal with some, uh, so, some other concerns, right? There's a myth that when somebody's playing well, that that automatically means that they have really good, solid, healthy mental health. And, and that is not the case. I've worked with a lot of players over the years that are having some real challenges with how they feel about themselves, uh, with their mood. It can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can be family stuff. It could be grief. And they are finding a way to perform on the ice or on the field or on the court. And so because they're performing well, and in school, performing well in the classroom, everybody thinks they're fine and they're wonderful and there's no concerns. And internally, they're struggling. 
And I think it's really important for people to know that, that hockey players and athletes have the same challenges and struggles as everybody else in life. So things such as depression and anxiety and substance abuse are going to be there. And for us to be able to recognize and to be able to help one another and help other players and for players to be able to recognize this does not mean that I have any weakness, right? The fact of the matter is the guys were probably damn tough and resilient to, to stick it out for this long. But boy, reaching out, talking to somebody, getting some support, getting some help is going to help me feel better as a person, be better as a person, manage things better. And, you know, ultimately it'll help your game too, but that's not the reason you do it. And I think that, you know, the two of you both kind of shared that in different ways. And I just think it's so critical for, you know, people that might be listening to your podcast to know we can be talking about training a high performance mindset and guys can have that nailed down and be performing well. That doesn't mean everything else is going well in their lives. And it's okay to deal with both at the same time or to really prioritize my mental health. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. Um, going back to what you said about the, uh, you know, hockey players not trying to think it's a weak, uh, a weakness or not. I was talking to, um, <clears throat> we were actually talking about a couple of episodes back. I was talking to a teacher from the high school um, just to reiterate, like you were talking about the hockey player showing weakness or being afraid that it would show weakness. And I was talking to him. He's got a pretty awesome story. Um, he He's one of those guys that, you know, he was 23, you know, and he just turned everything around. Now he's into all these hiking, rock climbing, uh, slack lining and whatnot. But um, I was talking to him the other day just to catch up. I told him about the podcast and whatnot. And he said something that's stuck with me since he said it. And it's – he respects a guy way more that's willing to just come out and say, it. and he said, weakness is a strength. And a guy that, you know, reaches out and does that is one of the strongest people I can say that I know because the strength that it takes to actually come out and admit to something or ask for help or be vulnerable. And that's kind of something Danny and I kind of stress to other people is, you know, it's okay to, open up and whatnot. And when he said weakness is a strength, it's kind of something that I just like, even though it's been a week, I've applied it to the last seven days that since he told me, and um, it was just trying to go off of what you were saying about, you know, kind of the mindset of not being afraid of having a so-called weakness or whatnot. But yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great example. And it's, it's nice that kind of the teacher was able to, um, give you a message that was sticky that you could connect to, you know, so that you yeah. hold on to it. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, a, a way that I like to look at it, um, so I know I gave the water and the seeds, but, you know, uh, I'm looking around my, my desk here to see how I have a quarter and I don't. So, you know, I want you to imagine that this is my hand is a coin, right? So on one side of the coin is, you know, is, is, is love, is uh, gratitude, is excitement, is positive relationships, is, you know, um, proficiency at a craft I'm good at something right it's at one side of the coin and the other side of the coin is vulnerability sadness disappointment hurt frustration well the thing is a lot of guys don't want to feel that other side right they don't want to have the frustration the vulnerability so what they try to do is just throw out the coin 
Well, when you throw the coin, that means you can't have love and excitement and all the other, you know, the real stuff in life. Mm. And, and I think sometimes um, with, with mental health things, if guys look at it, if their framework, if their filter is, hey, you know, if, if I'm struggling, that means I'm not as good, I'm weak, I'm whatever it might be. They throw out the coin and then they miss out on all the other good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that framework of seeing it as, no, you know, if I was struggling with an aspect of my game, I would probably ask for help from a coach. Probably. Hopefully you would. Well, if I've got another struggle, why wouldn't I get support from somebody to help me overcome it, to, to make it a strength? And it's, it's just shifting that mindset and that perspective is just so damn important and you're right so if you frame it as hey a weakness is a strength or if you frame it as you know this is just part of my growth as a person either way you know you got to engage and be willing to be vulnerable to take the risk yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah definitely is a it's a it's a risk um it's tough when you're in a difficult spot mentally and um you're feeling like we've talked about alone and very down on yourself but once you break through that threshold of seeking that help, it's a very liberating feeling to get those thoughts out there. Um, we've talked about journaling. You know, journaling is very important too. Uh, and being deliberate with these practices, like the meditation, it's got to be every day. Um, you can't just, you know, be wishy-washy about it. This is your mental health. This is something that's very important. This is going to affect your whole entire life, not just work, not just hockey, not just school. These are things that are affect your personal life, your family life. So um, it's important to be diligent with these things. And um, yeah, I mean, like, like we've said, it's just having a person like you that we've worked closely with is just so important. And we're so grateful to have had that opportunity. And um, we would just like more players to get that opportunity as well. Um, and those who, you know, like we said, are, those who are suffering in silence, just know that they're not alone. There's always people out there that want to help and are willing to help and can really truly make a difference in your life and change it around. So I think, I think that's a, a great message. And, you know, for, for anybody that's in a college setting, you know, if your team doesn't have a, uh, a sports psych guy that, uh, or, or, or a woman that's available to you, um, don't, don't underestimate the availability of going into the college counseling center and taking advantage of their services that that is available. Um, again, there are good sports psychologists out there. And just like anything else, there are sports psychologists that aren't so good, you know, but, but there are good people out there um, that can be reached and um, can connect, whether it's in person or over Zoom. That's always available. And for the guys that are playing pro, you know, um, different teams have different philosophies and what they have available. And I know in the East Coast League, it may be harder to reach somebody. But again, there, and, and there may not be the budget there to make that happen either. Mm-hmm. But there are people uh, like myself that are out there that, that, that players can get in touch with. Yeah. And obviously we'd recommend you. So if you'd could be able to just kind of plug your information for those listening, if they'd like to work with Doc Wally, um, we'd recommend that. But Doc, you want to just tell them where they could reach you at? Yeah, um, sure. And, and, and folks, I'm certainly not trying to, to drum up, but uh, I appreciate that. No, we're, we're just – we're just putting you out there because we recommend you because we had a great experience. That's all. That's all we're doing. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you look up Bizdell Sports Psychology, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure Danny can give a, a plug there, but uh, Bizdell Sports Psychology LLC online. I think it's uh, docwallybizdell.com. And um, but but otherwise, if you do a search for uh, Doc Wally or Wally Bizdell, my name in sports psychology, my name will pop up there, and you'll be able to track me down. <laughs> we were joking the other day. Uh, we had Jack Adams on here, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've listened to that episode yet, but it's pretty funny because, um, you know, we we're just talking. All of a sudden, I was like, holy shit, this, like, <laughs> everybody I talk to in college hockey pretty much that I know works with you. And it's just so <laughs> cool to see how <laughs> – no, it's I, – I said – it sounds so funny to say, but guy, like it kind of goes under the same categories, like the whole anxiety and depression things, because you don't understand how, like not you personally, but people don't understand how many people are struggling with things. But then once you start talking, you're like, Holy, like, Holy shit, this guy, this guy struggles too. And then we work with the same guy right there alone. Like, yeah, we find out that he's struggling with those things, but also working with the same guy, like, that just sparks a conversation that screams, like, an outlet for one another. And that was just one of the coolest things, because obviously Jack um, Jack and I um, go way back, and, um, I mean, Danny and I go back two weeks, but it's <laughs> it's – like I feel just as close with Danny as I do with some of my buddies that I've known for so long. And it's just like the topic of obviously mental health is one thing, but when you can almost like compare and contrast like different ways that you helped him, but was completely different than how you helped me. And then we both help each other with him explaining what was helping him, but and vice versa was just one of the coolest things. And we were joking about that the other day. So I wanted to point that out for you. I, I love that because it's there's you know you guys have you guys have heard me say this and, and I don't know if people know it until they kind of experience it. There there is no like cookie cutter, you know. Here's a solution. You know what there are there are principles, and there are ways of approaching things that we know that can be helpful. And then people have to kind of take it and use it based on their strengths and, and what's going on in their lives. And you know, so everybody individualizes it. Yeah, you know, and and, and it's, it's great. And I do think it's it's funny as you're saying it, being able to talk with other people that have gone through similar things. They're never exactly the same. Never. Similar things, we we just learn from one another. Like you're you're actually sparking an idea for me of you know it'd be nice to have a a group of guys who I've uh, worked with in the past that have all gone through similar things and to get on this type of call and support one another. Well, just like imagine like you take one guy from each school or college hockey team that you've worked with and you just have a huddle pretty much like what you said. Mm -hmm. And you just bounce off different ideas about, you know, obviously everybody like anxiety is such a wide term when it comes to certain things, but like this guy could have full on panic attacks that make him curl up in a ball and doesn't know how to recover from them or, this guy just freezes and doesn't know and he's standing there and he just starts going through the motions or he gets sad and whatnot. It's just like kind of just a discussion forum for people to what you said, just compare and not necessarily, not necessarily compare because that's kind of one thing that gets people in trouble is comparing yeah, yeah, yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 
erase that. Um, but like just having them be able to talk about different things and just like ways that help them that possibly didn't help someone else or anything like that. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and we just, we always learn so much from one another. And, and you know, my, my experience with hockey guys is we never run out of things to talk about. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's very rare. Yeah. That's the truth. You know, so, something else you guys shared, I don't know if this will make it into you know what gets broadcast and, or anything else, but um, for me, you know, early on when I talked about, you know, having an identity is being kind of the center for all kind of the way you could train uh, that, that high performance mindset. This, you know, one of the traps I think for hockey players and particularly because we have to give up so much early on um, to pursue your dreams in the game is that so often we get caught up in this sense of who I am equals what I do. Right. So I am a hockey player. And when that happens, you know, every time I go to the ice, it feels life and death. Mm -hmm. oh, crap, if I don't play well today, what does that mean? What does that mean about me? I don't feel as good. And, and then your mind spirals out of control, right? Or it can't. It makes you more susceptible to it. And um, I really love the idea of, of being able to say, well, who I am is different than what I do. And the person is so much more important than the player. And that's not saying that the game isn't important and that it's not your passion. Like, I want you to invest the time and the energy to your passion. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to separate and say, you know, if I play great, it doesn't make me any more important as a person. Who I am is stable. And if I play poorly, it doesn't make me any less of a person. Who I am is stable. And, and I find, and I don't know if it's been your experience, guys, as you've been kind of going up the ranks, that more often than not, um, because of the, the path that we have to get to to get to college hockey and pro hockey, that's a challenge. You know, I think a lot of the guys that I meet, they automatically start with, you know, um, hockey is everything they are versus it's one of the things that they do and it's one of the things that they do really, really well. Um, and, you know, when we can separate those things, uh, I think it can reduce pressure, it can reduce anxiety, it certainly won't eliminate the risk of, you know, mental health concerns, but it's certainly more stabilizing and it's a better platform from which to work. Oh, well, without a doubt. That's, I was just going to say that that, that is um, for me, something I've really struggled with and it is a lot easier said than done. And one thing that you did talk about, which we've spoke about on previous podcasts is how much hockey requires you to invest in it at such an early age. You know, we had Malcolm Hayes on here. He moved away from home in the eighth grade to play hockey in Detroit. He's from Atlanta. What other sport requires you to do that? You know, so it once you get higher up and you look back on how much you've given the game and how badly you want to be at the tippy top of it and reach the highest goal, it, it's it's a lot to to think about. And you know, there's obviously ups and downs in the season. And when you're down, you, you start to reflect. And also there's a lot of downtime in pro hockey, a lot of time yeah. to think. It, 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 that, those things can really eat at somebody. Um, and it's, it's important to be able to differentiate that, yeah, you play hockey and yeah, you, because you're a hockey player, but there's also another component to you that, that that's, you know, you're a person first. So 
that that's an important point, but also what you were saying, how much it, you know, hockey requires at a young age is another thing that we try to stress to people who don't under, really understand that, that sort of concept, but very important to be able to differentiate, you know, the person from the player. Yeah. And ultimately when people can do it, not only is it just better for us for, for who we are, but it's also more freeing when you play. You know, it's funny when guys can actually buy into that and they can, and they can really see it and feel it. You're more free to play and take risks because you're not feeling like I can't make a mistake out there. You know, it's like I can go out there and I can let it go and be the best version of me. And if it works out awesome, if it doesn't work out today, well, I'll get back after it tomorrow. But when I leave the rink, it's over. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty freeing as a player. Oh, yeah. It's a much better place than feeling like, you know, I go on the ice and it's life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes you pretty tense. It makes it hard to play well. Oh, yeah. And that that kind of brings me to the fact that, like, <clears throat> Danny and I both stepped away from the game this year. And um, something that we found very similar to one another was the, fir- the like, most overpowering thought that we had was hockey's – kind of been everything we've always had and only thing we've known and you know the kind of fear of not knowing what life would be like without it and like when you said life or death stepped on the ice that I tied into what would I do if I didn't have it because it's kind of the only thing I've ever done Um, you know I'm so glad I'm over that hump because I mean obviously you know, I'd still love to play and um, whatnot, but getting over the hump of knowing that hockey will always be there in some sort of aspect of your life, whether it's coaching, play-by-play, just watching, or, you know, you play men's league, whatever it is. Hockey is always going to be a part of your life somehow. And, yeah, I get not playing it is completely different, but having it around you in some way is always possible. and you know, that was my biggest fear is, like, not play hockey? Like, what are you talking – like, no way. Like, like, it doesn't even cross my mind. And, you know, I still, like, to this day can't believe that I actually got myself to leave. But it's probably the best decision I've ever made just for me as a person, my overall health. And, you know, like you said, life or death, like – how do you know that staying in hockey, being in the mindset that you're possibly at with anxiety or depression, how do you know that staying isn't life or death rather than leaving and just kind of, you know, adjusting to, how do you know you may not just pack up your stuff, go home. And then all of a sudden you find something that you love that gives you that feeling that hockey used to, but didn't anymore. And that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm not saying, you know, automatically just pick up and go but you know life or death can be in anywhere you're at and regardless hockey will always be there in some aspect but yeah and, and i think you're 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 bringing a point you know for me it's um if you can come back to who do i want to be as a person you know like what what are the what are the things that i stand for what are my guiding principles and then how do i live those through whatever my passion is so your passion may be hockey and it may be hockey for the next 20 years, or it may be something else, or you might have two or three passions, but how do I want to live my, live my principles through whatever I'm doing? I'm not dependent on what I'm doing. I can be that person no matter whether I'm in back in school 
or I'm playing pro hockey or I'm coaching eight year olds or I'm, I'm working at the supermarket. It, it doesn't matter. You know, I, what's important is do I have a sense of who I want to be and can I be that person consistently no matter what the setting is? Mm-hmm. And that can be very freeing. Um, but it's a hard thing to develop because we don't always think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I went to – go ahead, Danny. No, I was going to say that that it is a, a, a liberating feeling. But uh, it's just – got to take the necessary steps to get there. It's not just going to happen overnight, which is something that I, I just thought I'd wake up one morning and I'd feel better a yeah. lot of the times. <laughs> and that's just – you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And you just – you have to do something. You have to put in action in order to see the results. Um, and that's just something I, I thought I wasted a lot of time with was was just waiting. And, and uh, then you finally get to that point where you realize, okay, I got to take action. You do. And, yeah, like you said, that liberating feeling, it, it's a night and day difference. It's weird. I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, <laughs> so strange. You guys are sharing this with other folks because I think that's one of those things you can make a gift of to other players. Hey, don't, don't wait. You know, hey, maybe magically in a, in a week I'll feel better. And then it's like, well, maybe magically in two weeks I'll feel better. Well, maybe in three weeks. Hey, if something is off, and it's, you know, there's normal ups and downs in life, but if something is off for more than a couple of days, ask. Ask somebody you trust. Get some support. Reach out. And, you know, because the sooner you get to it, the sooner you can get back to um, being and feeling the way you want to be and feel. And the longer you wait, it may take more time when you eventually start to get back there mm-hmm. or to bounce forward. Yeah. So, you know, the, the sooner you, you, uh, you, you engage in it, the better off you are. Avoidance is never a good strategy. And I know you guys have both heard that from me before. You oh, yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, you've you got to run to the roar. You can't get stuck there avoiding. Yeah. It always leads to more problems. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Flo, you got anything else? No, Doc, uh, you know, obviously I appreciate everything over the years, but um, more so now just because, you know, I think Danny and I are both in different uh, positions than um, we were a couple months ago. And a lot of that um, is contributed by the stuff that you taught us. So, I mean, thank you for that, but also thank you for coming on. Obviously, kind of explaining the importance of everything and just catching up a bit. It's, it's yeah. been a pleasure for me as well. And, uh, you know, as I said before, it's kind of fun to do this with a couple of guys that I respect and that I've had a chance and the pleasure and the privilege to, to work with. And uh, this is fun. Let's, let's do it again. Yeah, without uh, a doubt. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, but again, Doc, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's been a privilege to work with you and a privilege to have you on here. So, again, very grateful for all that you've done for us. And um, we know for sure that this – this podcast alone is going to help many players out there. So thank you for that as well, for coming on here and speaking. My, my pleasure. At any time. Awesome. All, All right, right, guys. All right. Thanks, Wally. Good thank to you. see you. Everybody yeah, be you well. Too. Stay safe. Likewise. Thank you too.